Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW. Welcome to Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Later in the program, differing views on the CAP strategic plan for the years 2023 to 2027 inclusive. We talk to fellow O'Neill, international market specialist with the Irish Farmers Journal, Deputy Michael Moynan, Fianna Fáil, Cork Northwest, and also in the programme from Chagas, Cork East, Ms. Kira O'Donovan, tillage specialist, plus ploughing results from Philip Cotter, Cork East Ploughing Association, PRO. But first, Dairy Gold, our sponsor, finalises cereal prices for 2022. Dairy Gold has this week finalised its 2022 harvest cereal prices. Following on from a successful harvest, which saw strong yields and excellent quality, grain markets have strengthened based on global supply and demand balance. Dairy Gold, in line with its ethos, has demonstrated its support and commitment to its cereal growers by paying leading prices. In addition, Dairy Gold continues to be firmly committed to maximising the use of native Irish cereals across its range of feedstuffs. Dairy Gold Agribusiness General Manager Mr Limo Fahadi said that overall the 2022 harvest had gone very well and had been completed in excellent conditions which delivered strong yields overall and top quality grain. Quality Irish cereals are a key component of Dairy Gold feed rations, and Dairy Gold would always aim to pay a competitive price for members' grain. And speaking about the grain price, Dairy Gold's chairman, Mr John O'Gorman, said, As a 100% farmer-owned cooperative, tinnage growers are a very important part of Dairy Gold's business, and we remain committed to supporting and developing this sector of our business into the future. Dairy Gold 2022 cereal prices per tonne. Barley, excluding VAT, 302 euro. Inclusive of VAT at 5.5%, 318 euro and 61 cent. At moisture, 20%. Wheat, 
excluding VAT, €312. Euro. Inclusive of VAT at 5.5%, €329.16. Euro Moisture, 20%. Oats, €297 Euro a tonne, excluding VAT, €313.34. Inclusive of VAT at 5.5%. Again, moisture, 20%. Contract malting barley, €385 Euro a tonne, excluding VAT. Inclusive of VAT at 5.5%, €406.18 Euro at 20% moisture. Beans, €355 Euro a tonne, excluding VAT. And inclusive of VAT at 5.5%, €374.53. Euro Again, 20% moisture. Non-contract beans, €350 Euro a tonne, excluding VAT. Inclusive of VAT, €369.25. Euro moisture, 20%. Oilseed rape, €570 Euro a tonne, excluding VAT. Inclusive of VAT at 5.5%, €601.35. Euro moisture to be noted at 9%. Quality adjustments as per the cereal purchasing terms and conditions. And a note from Dairy Gold, moisture allowance increased from €2 to €3 per 1% for the 2022 harvest season. Prices inclusive of premium based on minimum purchase terms. And those were the Dairy Gold 2022 cereal prices per tonne excluding VAT and inclusive of VAT and moisture content. Joining us on the farm programme, we have Mr Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association. Philip, welcome to the programme. Results from a recent match. Thanks very much, John. That's correct. Yeah, our match last Sunday was in Gopfrew down near Yall and uh, a lovely fine day and a lovely field. So everybody that was there were very happy with this uh, outcome. So these are the results from Gopfrew. In the senior, first, Morris Walsh. Second, Michael Linehan. And third, Michael Hannan. The market first, William Mulcahy. And second, Stephen O'Connell. In the farmer race, two fuller. First, Katie Hayes. And second, Orla Hayes. The classic, one competitor there, Damien Ahern. The three for a match. First, James Prendergast. And second, Jim Barrett. The vintage two for a hydraulic, first Massey Fleming, second Tambo Zang, and third Phelan Cotter. The vintage single for a one competitor there, Trevor Fleming. The vintage trailer, one competitor, Andrew Smith. Three for a farmer F, uh, one competitor, Emily Tate. And the three for a standard, first Henry Beresford, second David McAuliffe, and third Carl Deneen. Those are the results from Gotsu last Sunday, John the 2nd of October. There is no match on tomorrow, Sunday the 9th, but the next match is in Barclamy on the following Sunday, the 16th of October. Now, I don't have full details for that match just at the minute, so I will be back to you again next week with more details, Barclamy match. So that's it for the moment, John. Thanks very much. That's grand. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Philip Cotter, a PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association. Thank you very much indeed, Philip. Thanks a million. West Cork-based National President of the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, Mr. Dermot Keller, contends that as far as his members are concerned, the CAP Strategic Plan 2023-2027 to inclusive 
is largely irrelevant. If it was done right, it might be all right. But, like, the cap as it is, will have very little, very little need for sheep and we'll be farmers. It's, it's irrelevant, almost. But we put in a very good uh, consultation submission. Um, it means changing 6% from pillar 2 to pillar 1. So that meant 300 a cow, 35 euro a year, and 100 to finishing, finishing in for finishing cattle earlier. Or to be staggered from 20 months to 24 months, depending on how early you'll be. The minister was happy enough with it, I think, after the time, but it did make a lot of, made a lot of sense. But this consultative program, we, it, it got no very little support. The two big family organisations are run by the dairy lobby and they're hinting, you fool the like in a nice way, they're giving money to anyone that's not making causes nearly a waste of time. They're the only viable farmer they're, 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 they're hinting at. But like, there's another problem as well, John. We went to all these cap consultative meetings and we broke into sessions. I was in a session one day, John, there was 19 of us one other farmer and myself. The rest of them were made up of Untaska and Birdwatch and flower power people and hippies and people telling farmers what to do, how to set a bush, where to set trees. They will never catch a spade in their hand to set a bush in their lifetime. But they'll tell farmers what they should and shouldn't be doing. And I think, when I said it yesterday, we met in Tarnister and uh, Martin Hayden yesterday, the Dunamis Rikulture, and I said, until you get a forum that you can sit down and talk with farmers, like Diafia, Diafia, cells and the hill farmers and so on, and talk to farmers that we have to do the work on the ground. Now I said, Stanley, Joe Smith, and these Bordwatch women, they put figures out of this, out of this, this, this guy. 50% of farmers should be left go, go wild. These people have the truth. That's, that's where I'm coming from. The cap is all right, but it's not doing much for the, the, the dry stock men. So we've been very happy yesterday on the Tarnister and Martin Hayden about a couple of things. I said, like, there's a lot of any window and hinting about cutting the national herd. And they say it's not going to happen. And they did come out and admit yesterday that a lot of um, media make me looking for a story. There was no agenda anywhere in the government to cut the national herd. There was 7.4 million livestock in this country, John, 50 years ago. And just 7.46 in 2022. The national have the stable. The stable with which is fears. It's not causing a, a problem. If they don't support the sheep and the soccer and the beef industry, this big part of this country is going to be wiped out. And it's not just farmers. It's rural Ireland in remote areas. I was a postman, John, as you know, for years. And I remember one time there was climate check for everybody. When, before I retired, there was only five or six dairy farmers left in the 300 houses I was calling to. And the rest of them farmers are dealing with sheep, suckers, and, and, and beef. And every bob that a farmer gets when he spins it in the economy is five times it goes around. So if they don't look after the dry stock sector, half of rural Ireland will disappear. No, maybe a lot of the Dublin farmers don't understand or don't care. I don't know. But I, I impressed them very much yesterday that rural Ireland is depending on the dry stock farmers. Because like, when you come down to reality, there's 120,000 farmers in this country. There's 18,000 dairy farmers. So there's another over 100,000 farmers that must be taken into account as well. And the problem is that the two big organizations are jumping up and down, but their main priority is the big dairy farmers. So they're important. I'm not saying they're important, but every farmer's important is all right. 
بالازمه بالازمه هون ويفكر في الشيء And I used to them very hard. I remember as a young fellow, 50 years ago, closing stone veins with, with flags, with big flag stones. We worked hard to do it in the work. And that ground was cutting strong trailers. No one was grand green ground. There's no way anyone is going to come back and turn that back into a mall. I mean, that is crazy kind of stuff. And, but you see, you have these, the same as in the capital sort of meetings, you have bird watch and you have environmentalists and all these And they want to do all these things, but they don't know what's involved. And they don't know what they don't. They don't know nothing about rural Ireland or anything like. Best time in the colonel yesterday, my wife was talking to him, and he, he said he will meet us in the next in the very very Saturday, and we just said, "Oh, never talk to him again," because he should understand that with those truckers and sheep and the beef, the whole agriculture of this country. And like I said, they are the cause that brought Ireland up out of the bog hole the last time this country crashed. Agriculture went from 11 billion to 15.2 billion in a couple of years. We bought this country off out of the, the doldrums. And if there's something done, the next time the country crashed, we, there won't be no one there to bring the country up out of the, the, the back hall. Only the big element. The rest will be gone. Mr. Dermot Kelleher, West Cork-based National President of the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, ICSA, giving his reaction to the provisions of the CAP Strategic Plan 2023-2027 to inclusive. Thank you, Dermot, very much indeed. Joining us, Mr. Phelim O'Neill, Irish Farmers Journal, International Market Specialist. Phelim, welcome to the programme. Now, the five-year 2023-27 inclusive CAF strategic plan amounting to almost €10 billion. Euro. Some farmers here feel there's an ever-increasing portion of the CAP budget going for environmental measures. Uh, I think uh, the general acceptance, John, is that, look, farmers are disappointed with this. But there's no surprises. We have known it was coming. And uh, it, it has been flagged from a long way out. Uh, and, and what's essentially happened is money has been transferred from the production side of agriculture to the environmental maintenance. And, uh, you know, that has also, it works for some farmers, and, and what I think is particularly difficult about this, that is the case of robbing Peter to pay Paul with convergence. And, uh, you know, no one will begrudge farmers getting extra money that, that are winners. But the reality is that money should have came from outside. That should be new money uh, rather than taken from other farmers. So uh, aside from that, then, I suppose the reality is You know, the share of the EU budget that's going to agriculture is falling uh, plan on plan. So there's no getting away from that. And uh, the the thing is, farmers now really, you know, production, whether it's in whatever sector, uh, you know, beef producers, less money. Uh, Historically, they had the highest share, of course. So that's now been almost completely redistributed. And uh, as I say, you know, farmers, if you want to switch, go into organic, go into countryside maintenance, etc. Well, then it's okay. It works fine. Uh, but if you were serious about producing 
good quantities of high quality beef, sheep meat, whatever, then it's not a very favourable cap at all. The feedback from some sections of the farming community is this will hit the most productive farmers the worst, and indeed you referred in passing to convergence, levelling of incomes. Yeah, and, and I think that's unfair. You know, uh, no one disputes that more money needs to go into sectors, and, and particularly maybe some of the poorer farming regions. But I don't think this is the way to go about it. And uh, to take from one to give to the other, it just doesn't feel right. And uh, that's the bottom line. In the process, it makes some of the most productive farms in the country amongst the least viable now. You know, a full-time suckler farmer previously working with maybe 100 cows, maybe finishing batch of cattle every year that was relying heavily on the payment. Well, then the fact when his payment slashed, what was a very marginal business before now becomes just totally impractical. And eco-schemes and the environment, of course, that doesn't refer directly to the controversial practice of re-wetting of farmland. Over the years, for maybe hundreds of years, people have tried to retrieve land from the bogs and make it productive. But now we understand that, in fact, uh, the boglands soak up a lot of this uh, very dangerous uh, carbon emission. So the the re-wetting of farmland, that's something that farmers... uh, certainly won't welcome the more productive ones. This is, I suppose, re-engineering at this most extreme example in farm. You know, we've spent decades uh, draining bogland, uh, removing hedges. Uh, in hindsight, obviously, that was policy then. Policy now is to restore those. And, you know, the farmers have articulated their reasoning uh, for their positions. Uh, the bottom line is the decisions made. Uh, farmers simply have to live with this, uh, whether no matter how unfair it might feel or seem. And uh, and that's basically the bottom line. Something which you've been following very closely, the situation regarding the all-island of Ireland grass-fed beef status, where the Northern Ireland uh, agriculture and the Republic would both qualify for this very privileged status of being, being able to sell our produce as grass-fed island of Ireland beef. Yeah, that's uh, something maybe that's a bit more positive, John. Uh, that application has now gone forward, just gone through the bureaucracy of Brussels. Uh, there's a time process, there's a consultation process. All of that is, is underway. No, no further problems are expected. There were a few glitches along the way as the application was developed and getting everyone on the same page. But they got there. And I think our political leadership, either side of the border, has to be commended on this. Uh, Minister McConnell, Minister Putz in the north. Uh, they, they give the political leadership necessary to, for the officials to get, bang the heads together, if you like, and get the result. Uh, we would expect that that approval will be given sometime towards the end of the year, worst case early 2023. So after the, the, the case of building the brand and seeing what value it can bring to Irish farmers, it'll be a long, slow road, but you have to start somewhere. And, Phelan, in your very extensive review of the Brexit uh, stroke protocol situation in Northern Ireland, I think there are indications there from the Northern Ireland Agriculture Minister, Mr. Evan Poots, that he's saying there are solutions there. It would appear, looking at your article, your analysis of the protocol situation, 
there are hopes for some kind of a Brexit protocol breakthrough. It's getting a bit nearer. I think we have picked up a noticeable change in the mood or the tone of comments over the past uh, week or so. Uh, Starting really uh, last weekend going into the Conservative Party conference. And now, whilst the, the basic problems still remain, the reality is, I think, as the mood changes and the tone changes, then there is a, a sort of a landing zone that won't be a perfect outcome for, for either the EU or the UK, but it will be manageable and one that I think everyone should be able to live with. And you're right, I just picked up there the uh, quote of the week this week from what Minister Poots told a group of farmers in County Down at a meeting that looked that there, there was a way to solve this. No, I, and I think that's constructive to hear that type of language used at a political level, because I've no doubt the official and the good and the good news is officials had their heads together around the table from the start of this week, and I've no doubt that they can develop a solution if they're given the political space to do so. It may be a tragic situation, the Russian invasion of the Ukraine, but this should um, concentrate the minds of all of the Western European and Eastern European countries. The Russian invasion of the Ukraine should concentrate minds and perhaps give a push, an extra bit of a push towards that semi-open door following the statement from Minister Edwin Poots. I I think that sums it up very well, John. You know, that there is the opportunity here now. There are bigger difficulties in the world. You know, this is really a a, a turf war on the western edge of Europe. Uh, And it's the sort of thing you would hope to look back on in history as almost a, a footnote and wonder how that it ever was such a big deal at the time. Uh, that's what it should be. Now, until it happens, of course, we can't uh, count anything or say it's in the bag. But, you know, I'm, I'm feeling more positive about it now than I have done for some time. The, the fact that the Minister of State for Northern Ireland, Steve Baker, was able to apologise to the European Union and Ireland for their approach, the UK's approach to Brexit. The mood, music is good. And if anyone wants to read in depth your article on page 26 of um, Irish Farmers Journal, 8th of October, Hopes rise for a Brexit breakthrough. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Phelim O'Neill, International Market Specialist with the Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you very much indeed, Phelim. Thanks a million. Thank you, John, for the opportunity. We are joined by Deputy Michael Moynihan, Fianna Fáil, Cork Northwest. First of all, Michael, welcome to the programme. Now, we see that the CAP Strategic Plan 2023 to 2027 has been signed by the Irish Government and the European Union. So, Michael, do you welcome overall the provisions of the CAP strategic plan for CAP 23 to 27? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I welcome the sign-off at government level and at the European Commission level on the CAP proposals. These CAP proposals were being developed uh, right throughout 2021, uh, you know, there was a lot of consultation in relation to meeting farmers and farming organisations, and there was the MAT meetings which the Minister for Agriculture carried out right throughout the area and listened and heard the concerns of farmers. And I suppose, you know, this is the roadmap, this is the funding, this is the foundation, I suppose, for farming uh, from 2023 right through to 2027. And there's a 9.8 billion uh, euro fund for this. But I, I think that, you know, the Common Agricultural Policy, which was developed way, way back at the very concept of the European Commission or the European Economic Community, as it was at the time, was to ensure the food security. And right through, you know, we've had 
lots in food supply, we have had quotas, we have had different challenges, but food security has never been more important. It hadn't been an issue for the last 25, 30 years, but it's now a huge issue as we go into uncertainty right across the world. Uh, I think that, you know, there's a lot in the common agricultural policy. There's the convergence, there's the issues ensuring that everybody gets as, as fair a balance in it as possible. There's also funding in relation to the new circular co-efficiency scheme, uh, which is going to give more money back into the farmers for circular coast. But there is challenges there. At, uh, this year has shown up huge challenges in relation to cost production uh, and definitely on the uh, the beef side of it this year to make sure that there is a margin there that they can continue to produce beef because we have a worldwide market for that and we have a huge amount of people that are working uh, the farmers and the producers and the marts and all those are tied into the beef industry and we want to make sure that we have a strong beef industry going forward at the right time. And Michael, what would you say to those farmers who feel the eco-schemes, in particular the concept of re-wetting land, that this goes too far? There has been an awful lot of uh, money and effort spent going back into uh, the Western Drainage Scheme, I think was the scheme that uh, my late father, remember, he was involved uh, with it and, and developed it at the time. And there was an awful lot to get more land into to food production. And, you know, the, I, th- I think farmers, and by and large, they're looking at the sustainability of their operation, the sustainability of food production uh, on whichever level of farming that they're using. And farmers are, are the custodians of the, of the environment and have delivered the environment in, in, in good stead. And I think that we have to accept that, that they are the custodians of it. You know, I, I see the regulations that have been talked about in relation to re-wetting of land. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. 
Code program. I think that's a small bit too far. In fairness, I think that we have to be we have to be very mindful, right? That we have a wonderful, I suppose, natural resource in Ireland, in the land of Ireland, for the producing of green food, producing a food efficiently, and we look at what's happening right across the world. And if we are to uh, to cease production of food at the level that we are producing it at, and it will be produced in other parts of the world of, of the globe in less environmentally friendly fashion, I think that's a challenge that we really have to face up to. And we have to be really mindful of it. And I think that, you know, I listened to the various debate that was on recently on rewetting and the regulations that come in. I think that we really need to be very strong in, in terms of, you know, uh, the farming and farming organizations and, and farmers, uh, you know, uh, understand the issues that are coming down the, the, in relation to the environment and so forth and are willing to embrace it. But I think that there is, you know, there's an economic agenda here as well. A lot of the practices in relation to making sure that we're getting the best possible use of our, our slurry, the best possible use of, 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 of everything on the farm, that it, it is an economic sense to make sure that these things are done right as well. And I think that we need to buy into that more than we constantly talk about the environment. We need to talk about the food efficiency and sustainable production of food uh, right throughout. Uh, but I think that... Uh, we have to be very mindful of these regulations that are coming in in relation to rewetting, and I certainly will be keeping a very close eye on them. That old, uh, well-used word, uh, pragmatism. We have to be pragmatic and weigh up each individual case or each individual call for rewetting to be evaluated. Farmers and, uh, and uh, uh, food producers, uh, I suppose, have been the most pragmatic people. Uh, they have changed you know, year in, year out, they have had to adopt to different uh, climates, they have to adopt to different, uh, and they are very pragmatic in what they have to do. But they want to make sure that they have a living for themselves and their families as well. And uh, re-wetting and all of those, they're all very trendy buzzwords. You know, I see the, the, the planning in relation to solar farms and the, the connection of solar in, uh, energy to the grid and selling it back. That is something we really need to do and to look at and be very forceful on it. Uh, you know, my colleague Barry Cowan was talking about the monopoly of ESB uh, today in relation. And I think that there is a, a, a nugget there that needs to be freed up in terms of the ESB being more willing to buy energy back uh, from uh, whether the solar panels are in domestic houses or whether on farm buildings or whatever, but it is important that we look at all of that in other parts of the, con- of the globe in a less environmentally friendly fashion, and that would be serving nobody. Something not actually in the CAP strategic plan, the 5pm to 7pm peak electricity when farmers, when dairy people would be milking, will you be able to do anything to try and uh, swing that... 5pm to 7pm extra charge in some way exempt farmers if it can be shown that farmers have to milk between 5pm and 7pm that they shouldn't be subject to this peak time usage charge surcharge well you see farmers that's their prime business time the dairy farmers that's their prime business time that's the time that they have to you know that they are um milking the cows and having the milk for the production of, of a whole variety of products. I think it's, it's unfair that they would be hit with that charge at that time and I think that it is important that every avenue is opened and discussion is taking place 
to ensure that something can be done because it doesn't seem uh, fair that you know dairy farmers that, that this is their prime time for it and they're going to be uh, fined accordingly because agriculture is our largest indigenous industry and it is one of the greatest players in rural Ireland for vibrancy uh, right throughout the rural community and I think it's important that uh, it, that recognition is taken of the unfairness of this and how that we can uh, move around it. Deputy Michael Moynan, Fidafoil Cork TD for Cork Northwest, including Duhallow. Thank you, Michael, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you very much, John. At a meeting with the Tornster on Wednesday, October 5th, the ICMSA Deputy President, Mr Dennis Drennan, called for the government's policy on farming and agri-emissions to, quote, reach out to commercial family farms and cease what he called the useless and regressive either-or approach between organic and commercial Mr. Drennan explained that the CAP strategic plan just signed off on Tuesday, 4th of October 2022, was a perfect example, he said, of what was an act of exclusion of commercial family farms and particularly commercial family dairy farms. Mr. Drennan, citing the flagship Acres environmental scheme, said no effort had been made in the scheme to make it more appealing or workable for commercial dairy farmers, with the result that the very farms needed to make government policy effective could not participate. He said the ICMSA had consistently pointed out to the government that if we are to make anything near the kind of emissions reductions they have set out while preserving our economic motor, that is our commercial dairy sector, We have to design schemes which bring in the commercial family farms who want to participate. The deputy ICMSA leader contended that the government's approach, as typified by the acre scheme, is predicated on excluding those farms, the actual basis for our dairy and beef sectors, and effectively supporting niche farming or land stewardship models which are already marginal to the national model. He claimed it was now self-evident that this policy of allegedly excluding commercial and focusing on organics or niche farming had no chance of getting the kind of critical mass in terms of emissions reductions which the government policy claims to want. He alleged it was actually working to exclude the very type of farms that the policy needs if it's to have any chance of getting that momentum going. Mr Drennan said that for the umpteenth time, ICMSA had repeated as follows, environmental policy has to address real commercial needs and concerns if it's to get the critical buy-in, and that means making environmental schemes attractive and workable for commercial family farms. The deputy ICMSA leader said it can't be an either-or where family farms must choose between being either environmentally progressive or commercially Feasible. Policy and schemes, he said, must be designed to be both environmentally progressive and commercially feasible. And that's part of a statement issued by the ICMSA Deputy President, Mr. Dennis Drennan. Ms. Kira O'Donovan, Tillage Advisor, Chargis North Griffin, Middleton, County Cork, advises listeners of the following farm walks. 
Chagas Kerrygold joined programme Farmwalk on farm of Mr William Daly, Newmarket, Tuesday, 11th of October, starting 11am. Dairygold Chagas joined programme Farmwalk on farm of Tim and Mary Leader, Rathcool, on Thursday, 13th of October, 11am. First of all, Kira, welcome to the programme. How did the harvest go this year so far? Yeah, um, thanks very much, John. Um, the harvest overall was was excellent um, down in Cork. Maybe a little bit of a shaky start with the winter barley. I know certain crops in certain places suffered a little bit with virus, um, a virus in the winter barley. So it was a bit of a lower yield in the winter barley this year. But um, the spring barley yields, which was the main crop, you know, in the country and, and particularly in Cork, malting barley being one of the top number one varieties or number one crops, I mean, um, did really, really well. Um, probably we're talking now before the CSO average figures come out and are finalised, we're thinking maybe 3.2 tonnes per acre, which is, you know, as an average is really excellent with, you know, top quality grain quality as well, um, big grains and moisture contents relatively low, you know, um, which is really excellent for quality. I mean, even it was a smashing year for, for people to get work done. People weren't under pressure. They could plan their week of work. So it was it was great in terms of weather and, and yields were pretty good. And and price turned out pretty good as well in the end. But relative to, to costs, look, that's another conversation. But um, overall, no, um, barley, wheat, oats, um, oilseed rate did pretty well as well. And beans, some spring beans as well. So, so generally a very good harvest. And we can see that reflected in, in the prices of tillage farms at this moment. What's happening on tillage farms at the moment, Kira? We got the, the harvest finished maybe a little bit earlier than normal. And um, I suppose even some people have their 2023 crops in the ground already. Um, if people went and... Um, planted some winter oilseed rape. I mean, there was pretty good, strong forward prices given um, for 2023. So we're estimating an increase in the area of oilseed rape. So that would have been planted, you know, around August time, early September, if the weather was good. Um, so since then, I suppose, people have been just um, getting ready for autumn sowing, where people sow winter crops, you know, ordering seed, sussing out their... Um, there, what variety is going to sow, getting their orders in, and just trying to do budgets, I suppose. Look, next year is going to be a lot of um, uh, higher risk than, than, than last year with fertilizer prices and everything. So, just doing a bit of planning at the moment, getting fields ready for autumn planting, you know, getting weed control sorted, um, planning their rotations, um, consultations with farmers about, you know, nutrient management planning, soil sampling. And, you know, I have plenty queries coming into me every day about new schemes and things like that. So um, it's a little bit of a quiet time now. But look, if the weather clears up in the next couple of weeks, people will be in the fields, you know, ploughing and getting the winter barley in. So that's where we are at the moment on, on tillage farms. How will tillage farmers be affected by changes at the moment, recent changes, and indeed uh, nitrates regulations from next year onwards? On the tillage side, there were uh, a number of new changes came in this year they updated their our the statutory instrument for the country which um brings there was the law around nutrient management and soil testing and slurry so there's a couple of new changes came in there for for tillage farmers this year and there will be which will some of which will come into effect from next year on so one in particular i suppose to start to begin maybe for people who plant late harvested crops such as um maize uh 
maize, beet, main crop potatoes, um, that sort of thing. I suppose you have to be very conscious of the fields that they're planting them in, in terms of the water courses. Um, from next year, I suppose they'll, they'll have to have a minimum uncultivated buffer from water from water courses of six metres. So that's a change. All along, we have the existing rule of two metres for all tillage ground. So you have to t to be two metres away from the top of the bank um, on cultivated margin. Um, but from next year on, we'll say for late harvested crops in those categories, they have to come out six metres. So we're just in, I suppose, the, the objective there is to keep um, phosphate, you know, sedimental soil loss out of water courses and, and reduce you know, runoff into water courses. So that's a that's one change. Another one, I suppose, a lot of tillage farmers would import organic manures from pig farms, dairy farms, beef farms, you know, cattle slurry, um, pig slurry. Um, one change, important change for on arable land next year is from uh, that all organic manure spread on arable land needs to be applied with low emission slurry spreading equipment unless it's incorporated within 24 hours of application. So yes, you can spread with a splash pit on arable land, we'll say on your stubbles before your spring crop, but you'd have to incorporate it within 24 hours. Otherwise, you're going on with your dribble bar, your trading shoe or your injection system, you know. Um, and then a lot of tillage farmers would use pig slurry as it's, it's a very good source of um, be higher in phosphates, which is which is important for, for cereal crops, for example. That all must be spread by low emission from next year, too. So that's just something to be aware of. Um, another very big one, actually, um, for tillage farms in terms of soil testing, and it's something that people should have in maybe they can make a start on it now is taking soil tests um so there will be a big campaign of soil testing now in the autumn it's a perfect time for soil sampling um you know you try and wait as long as you can to take your soil sample after if you've spread organic manures you'd wait as long as you can but generally that's not a problem in on, on arable soil so from next year on basically if you don't have a soil sample for every five hectares um for arable fields you won't have a pea allowance basically for growing cereal crops, you know. Um, so you'd have to have a soil sample to prove your requirement to spread phosphorus. So you'd be assumed index four unless you have a soil test to prove otherwise. So there, this in conjunction with their fertilizer register that is going coming down the tracks at a fast pace as well will mean essentially, I suppose, it's really mandatory to do to do nutrient management planning uh, and to be aware of what your allowances are. Um, so the likes of your 10, 10, 20 and your 18, 6, 12 and your any fertilizer containing phosphorus, you know, you'll have to have soil tests to prove your requirement for it on, on arable soils. So I suppose the last set of test results, look, if you have test results that are still in date, they're still good. Um, but if you don't have soil samples or if they're out of date, I mean, a big job now for the autumn, get your maps drawn up, get out there and get the samples done while you have a bit of time or the weather's if it suits you and um and, and and get them into your advisor to do a fertilizer plan for you so i think they're really in conjunction with those new rules that the, the legislation and that fertilizer register they're really tightening up on the the regulation of the whole of the whole nutrient management side of things the new environmental acre scheme purpose of this acres acres scheme yeah so this acre scheme i suppose it's an optional scheme like Reps was an optional, and where people are coming out of what we knew as gloss as a as a optional scheme, farmers 
applied to it and signed up for a, a five-year contract. So it's more similar to Gloss than Rips. Maybe I'm a bit too young to remember Rips, but um, it's very more similar to Gloss where you have... Um, you sign up to do a certain number of actions and you're signing up to a five-year contract period. Um, the maximum payment rate that you can draw down from it, um, I know in, in in a lot of cases, will be about €7,300. Um, if you're in areas where there's um, specific projects in place, such as the Hen Harrier, for example, then there are higher payment rates um, there. But essentially, there is a scheme there which tries to, I suppose, subsidise farmers to um, carry out actions or to change their farming practice in order to help biodiversity, reduce nutrients or improve water quality. So by you know, buffer strips and things like that to reduce the risk of nutrients going to water or other actions for biodiversity like improving planting more hedgerows or improving hydro quality by coppicing or laying or um, planting biodiversity in terms of bird life. There's a lot of actions there which will help to support bird life such as the there's winter bird food plots and strips um, unharvested seared headlands. You're kind of leaving some food there over the winter for the birds uh, in addition to um in addition to like barn boxes for example that's one action in the thing to support you know wildlife and and the environment um so basically water quality and and biodiversity are two big goals in it what's in acres for farmers who have tillage so there are a number of actions which can be carried out on um tillage or arable parcels um as opposed to grassland options. So, for example, maybe you have a mixed kind of farm and you have some livestock, you can go with these, uh, what was commonly known as green cover or catch crops, for example, or there's another version of that now, this time around called brassica fodder stubble. So that's a type of action where you'd sow uh, like a fodder ape leafy turnip kind of a mixture and that animals can graze um, uh, later, in the, later in the winter. Um, so, I mean, the way these measures are costed, I suppose they'll look at costs incurred or income foregone. That's how they calculate the payments for each of the different actions. So catch crops, I suppose, there's a lot of interest in it. People are doing a lot of catch cropping. So that's where you sow something in your stubbles after harvest and you leave it there until um, until the following year. I suppose this is a really important water quality action. It's there to absorb nutrients like nitrate primarily to stop it being leached into water. But, you know, if you have livestock present, it can be a source of food. But also you'll have, you know, small gains made over a long period of time if you're catch cropping every year to help soil organic matter infiltration soil soil quality um it'll make you have small gains over the years it'll help with the tilt of the soil so that's um that's one option and people are kind of used to that in glass and it, it fits in where you have maybe you know spring crops in the rotation or um where you can get them in 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 good time you know ideally following things like winter barley get them in nice and early get a nice big catch crop and you you know have better benefits from it some a couple of other uh, two actions in particular i suppose in terms of the rollers interested in the money side of things um as well as the environment and doing your bit so two kind of good paying options in it one is called environmental management of fallow so this is slightly different to the fallow that we saw in gloss um basically kind of taking land out of production but um we're trying to in this time around trying to encourage wildlife ground nesting birds and this this type of option we're kind of cultivating the soil in the spring and planting a catch crop in it in the autumn to try and provide a source of food for birds over the winter 
and, and and nesting sites for ground nesting birds like lapwing for example so that's quite a good paying option um the other one for bird life is a very very popular one uh it's called winter bird food so in terms of you know money per acre but also uh you know um it's it's a relatively smaller it could be fitted in on grassland as well as tillage areas so it's quite a popular option this winter bird food where you'd set a a cereal mixed with something like linseed and mustard and and different things in the mixture in in May and you let there for the year um until we'll say March of the following year so it provides a source of food for 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 wildlife I suppose so it's quite a nice option um and is 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 useful what I would say to people is just like look at your what you can what's it going to cost you I suppose in some of the actions like if you're going to have to hire in a contractor to do some of the work look that's going to affect how much I suppose financial benefits you'll get out of it at the end of the day how much of that money you can retain in your own business but also um, do some of the actions affect my crop rotation do they have to remain in the same place for the five-year contract period that's a very important point um, and do some of the actions am I doing some of them already I mean I would always start a conversation uh, lead farmers towards actions that they're doing already low-hanging fruit for example if if, if they have a, a min till we'll say establishment system where people are not plowing so um if they're already doing that as part of their system that's one of the options for tillage farmers in acres so like your min till um, so that's kind of low-hanging fruit you're kind of doing it anyway you have the equipment so it's a nice option there and um, and it can be rotated this time around another one there over winter stubble um it's kind of similar objective to the rule that came in the nitrates earlier in the year about shallow cultivation, which we won't get into. But um, there is a, a payment rate flat in this new acre scheme, so where you shallow cultivate the stubbles within 14 days of harvest and you leave it there until the 1st of February for the following year. So I would say to people, just do your budgets on it. What's it going to cost you to, for the, to do the different actions? Do you have to get a contractor to do it? What's the cost involved? In terms of labour, like some of these actions, like if you're going planting trees, hedges, that sort of thing, do you have to do a lot of fencing? Like some of them take a lot more effort and work. You know, do you have the help available? Um, do you have to, to hire someone in to do it? Like that's going to affect how much money you can retain out of it. Some of the options need maintenance. I mean, planting a hedgerow is, is a lovely option, but they do take maintenance and to get a good quality hedge. Um so, you know, go for low-hanging fruit, really, first of all, and then um, see what suits your what suits your farm and what suits yourself after that. See, if, is it a good fit for your farm? Um, you know, some things can be done very easily, like unharvested cereal headlands, which may not be too savoury for a lot of people. They're not used to leaving leaving cereal behind them in, in the fields, but... Um, there, there's lots of there's lots of there's a few options in there for tillage farms just to have a think about um, all those different factors. If you are carrying out um, good farming practice to the best of your ability, you may find, in fact, there is very little extra you have to do. For sure, and I know. Look, with schemes, there was always a little bit of red tape and a little bit of work to do in record keeping. You know, it's, we saw that in, in Glass to record keeping and you know, actually carrying out the action and look, the devil's in the detail. Uh, study it yourself. Um, your advisor will be able to, to point out maybe some of the the really important points not to miss and look, see, does, will it fit for you and you can make your decision after that.
Miss Kira O'Donovan, Tillage Advisor with Chagas Knock Griffin in Cork East near Middleton. Kira, thank you very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks, John. And that's Farm Talk for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to Barry O'Mahony, Head of News, 96.103 FM, and Marie Tuig, 96.103 FM News reporter, for contributing to our programme again this week. A very special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in.